Welcome. Welcome back to me. Um, well, <laughs> I've had, so I've just had six weeks off um, on sabbatical, and it's been awesome. Uh, to be honest, the first two weeks were not awesome. I was just working physio full-time so I could have some leave. But uh, the, the next four weeks were amazing. Um, got to visit a number of dis- different churches. Got to uh, go to, yeah, just local. Because, uh, you know, when I'm here, I don't get to go anywhere else. So I don't get to see what other people are doing. So I got to go to the Anglicans and the Prezies and uh, AOG Connect. And also got to go to uh, Quipper's Christchurch, Quipper's Dunedin, I was going to go to Auckland, but that, that kind of fell over with the uh, lockdown that they were in. Um, and yeah, and just had a really refreshing time as well. Got to um, go away on a, a re- retreat by myself for four nights. That was really cool. Um, and spent some time with May. I spent some time with the kids. And yeah, just delve into God and for what he's got for me and for us. And uh, I'm excited about the coming season. And I just want to say a massive thank you, first of all, to, to Matt and Ali and uh, to Richie and Arisha. Can we, yeah, give it up for these guys because they thank you guys. I appreciate it uh, because you, yeah, you allowed me to have that space and I really appreciate it. And, and thank you uh, and, and making that happen. That was really cool. Um, so one of the exciting things that is happening for next year, and this is exciting, but it's also sad uh, for us, is that Matt and Ali are heading to Auckland. Oh, I know. So not 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 permanently. Um, they don't want to go to permanently, I don't think. Who wants to move to Auckland? Uh, but um, for for six months uh, or, or thereabouts, they're going there basically to pursue the call of God uh, on their lives. These guys have got a call to ministry in their house and and. So they're heading up there to basically to get into that environment, to learn, to grow, to see what God has in store for them. They're taking a step of faith in this, and as equippers about launching 20 new churches in New Zealand, so they may well be a part of that. Uh, and it's actually really healthy. It's really healthy that we're seeing leaders growing up in our in our house and being released. Uh, to do ministry across our nation. That's actually a good thing. It's sad because, you know, it leaves us with people who we love going elsewhere, but they're still family. And uh, I just want to encourage you guys to really lift them up in prayer in the next season. They need to sell a house. Um, They need to, you know, uproot their family and go to a new place. And that's, that's not easy. So, Bless you guys as you do that. That's one exciting thing, one exciting sad thing. There'll be some other exciting But um, we are in a new series. If, if you were here last week, uh, you would have heard Pastor Steve Graham speaking, and the, the series is By Faith. And he's spoken an awesome word about how, uh, well, basically about salvation, how we are saved. Um, we were saved, we are saved, and we are being saved. There's the kind of the process that God is working in our lives by faith. And today, I just really want to dive down into this idea of living by faith. Uh, we are called to live not, not by the law, not by the things that we do, but we're called to live by faith. And there's a couple of... There's a couple of um, Books in the Bible that talk a lot about faith, Romans and Hebrews. Both, they mention faith a lot. But there's one particular chapter in the book of Hebrews that is just like the by faith chapter of the Bible. And uh, so there's, there's 36 times faith is mentioned in both Romans and, and Hebrews, but 24 times faith is mentioned in this one chapter, chapter 11 of Hebrews. And, and this faith, 
phrase, by faith, is, is mentioned 19 times in just the one chapter. It's like, by faith, Enoch, by faith, Abel, by faith, by faith, by faith, by faith. So we want to live, learn to live by faith. We need to look at this chapter. So we're going to be diving into that today. And uh, yeah, I'm excited because this chapter actually it covers a lot of ground. It starts and it says, uh, you know, by faith begins in creation. And then it talks about uh, a whole lot of Old Testament heroes. It just goes through them and tells us how each of them live by faith. And it's actually really interesting that the vast majority or the focus is on all the heroes pre-Moses. And then it gets to Moses and mentions Moses. And then it says, oh, but I don't have time to mention all the rest. And it, and it mentions a few of the um, prophets and, and heroes after Moses. But the, the thrust, the, the main focus is on all the ones pre-Moses. And I think that's it's actually really deliberate. The writer of Hebrews is saying that before the law, there was faith. Actually, the law doesn't matter. And if you read Hebrews, it's a lot about saying we don't live by the law. In, in Hebrews 3, uh, he's talking about how Jesus is greater than Moses. And uh, we, we read in, in this chapter all these stories of faith that come before the law. And that's important because our natural default is, is, is to go legalistic. And you might think, well, I'm, I'm, not, I'm not into the law. I don't, you know say the Ten Commandments to myself every day, and I don't get caught up in that. But legalism is beyond just, you know, the Ten Commandments. Often it's just what we, how we think and how we kind of approach the world around us. We have these little mental scales and these little mental tick lists. Did I read my Bible today? Did I pray? Did I avoid yelling at the kids? Was I nice and was I, was I polite to people? If I can say yes to all the above, then I get the tick. I get the gold star from God, and uh, it's okay. I've kept the law. Well, that's actually not what Christianity is about. But we, we, we do slip into it. We do slip into having this little checklist. And your checklist is probably different to mine. Uh, and, and the things that you think a Christian should do, uh, you know, we can have a, a lot of different ideas. But actually just living by those laws, by those rules, is not the life of faith. That's not actually what we're supposed to do, but it's what we revert to because we understand it, because there are clearly marked kind of, okay, you do this list of things and you don't do this list of things, and we can get there. But actually, to live by faith, it's a journey. It's a relationship that we need to work out with God. It's, 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 it's somehow, it's easier for us to think about jumping through these hoops and then we're getting a gold star at the end. It's, it's, a, it's a little bit less clear, but it's actually better and easier to, to follow a person, to follow Jesus. So to live by faith is to walk with Jesus. And, and there's a, uh, let's see, here we go. In Galatians 2, 20, it says, I have been crucified with Christ, and I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live, everybody say it, by faith. That's it. By faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we live by faith in Christ. We're found in him. And that, that's the life of faith that we're, that we're called to live by. And so, um, it's, it's, yeah, it, it starts in Hebrews 11. If we go to, um, 
Hebrews 11, says, in verse 1, Now faith is being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. Being sure of what we hope for and certain of what we do not see. It's very, it's very forward focused. It's very, uh, yeah, looking towards the future. So what do we hope for? There's an idea in, in 1 Peter, uh, actually I don't have it up on the screen, but there's an idea that, that we, are, we have an inheritance that can, that can never perish, never spoil, never fade, that it's kept in heaven for you. And I think we've got to remember that actually that's our eternal hope. In the West, life isn't so hard, and so we kind of forget. But if you're living in poverty, if you're living in great need, you have, an, you have this idea in the forefront of your mind because you think, man, I need something beyond me. There is an eternal hope. We often forget that. But actually, that is, that is what um, uh, the writer of Hebrews is referring to. And, and we need to rem- always remember there's a, there's a distant hope, a bright future, a wide open space. It's called heaven, that we're one, one day going to be with Christ. But there's also hope for now. There's also hope for the here and now. And it's being sure of what we hope for now in God. Certain of what we do not see. Another way of, of putting that, certain of what we do not say, is that we have, we have faith in the unseen. We actually believe that what, what we see is not as real as what we don't see. There's an unseen reality that's actually more real than what we see. And that's a, that's a mystery. That's a mind-blowing concept. But that is... Faith. And that's actually a great definition of faith, is belief in an unseen reality. The flesh and blood, the stuff that you see, yeah, it's real, but there's a, there's a higher reality. And we're told that, that this is actually what the ancients were commended for. All these heroes of faith were commended for this faith. Not just that they believed it, but they walked in, in the light of it, and they lived by it. They didn't always see it, and we read in Hebrews that actually... A lot of them died. It actually mentions death and dying a lot in Hebrews 11 because there's a, there's a sense that their faith is in the eternal. But it's not just seeing it and believing it. It's, it's living it. And then in verse 3, it goes on and says, By faith we understand that the universe was formed at God's command. And so that what is seen was not made... And we're not gonna, I'm not going to go into a creation and evolution debate with you today, but we have to believe that actually there is a creator. There is a, there is a prime mover. There is something that someone who created out of nothing, the world, the universe that we inhabit. It's this unseen realm. It's incredible. And so that's kind of the start of this chapter, just going, we have to believe in an unseen realm. And then the writer just starts to list off all these heroes of faith. And I'm actually not going to not going to talk about the first three he mentions. Uh, he, t- he talks about by faith Abel, by faith Enoch, by faith Noah. We're actually going to hear about those three from Pastor Sam in a couple of weeks. But today I want to focus on this dude called Abraham. He's known as the father of our faith. If you went to Sunday school, you might even know the song, Father Abraham. And many sons, and many sons said, Father Abraham. Yeah, I won't sing it all to you, but he's the father of our faith. And actually, the largest portion in, in this chapter, in Hebrews 11, 
is dedicated to Abraham and his story. And so to give you a brief praise of what I'm talking about, by faith, Abraham did four things. By faith, he obeyed. By faith, he settled. By faith, he believed. And by faith, he sacrificed. And we're going to look at these today. And actually, it's interesting, the order they put them in, I actually think it's, it's kind of a uh, ascending order of difficulty. Each one kind of steps it up a notch in the faith level uh, as he goes on. And so, so firstly, in, in verse 8, we can read, by faith that Abraham obeyed. By faith, Abraham, when called to go to a place he would later receive as his inheritance, obeyed and went even though he did not know where he was going. This is like Matt and Ali. I mean, they know where Auckland is. Uh, so not quite like that. But they, they just obeyed and went. It's the first level of faith. God called Abraham, and Abraham's like, okay, I'll go. God called Abraham from a place of certainty to a place of uncertainty. And if we're honest with ourselves, we like certainty in our lives. Anybody here like certainty? They like to know. You like to know what's in the cupboard, what you're going to have for breakfast in the morning. You like to know that you have a roof over your head to go home to after church today. We like certainty in our lives, and, and that's okay. But actually, what we need to realize is that in life, nothing is certain. Those things are certain. But we have to be prepared if we're going to live by faith, to take risks. We have to be prepared to take risks. Larry Lorden, who's a philosopher of science, he researched extensively into risk management. And he talks about an idea he calls risk lock. It's when we, and what happens is that because we live in such a fear-ridden society, and you know, how many know 2020? Uh, that's kind of, we're living in a fear-driven society. Many people, they, they suffer from this idea of risk lock, that they kind of get into a gridlock that, that makes us ineffective because they don't want to do anything, they don't want to go anywhere in case something goes wrong. And uh, the key, this, this guy Larry talks about, the key to overcoming this risk lock is simple. It's simply to realize that everything is risky. Everything is risky. You might go, well, I'm just going to lie in bed. That's pretty risk-free. I'm just going to stay in bed. Well, I've worked on medical and, and rehab wards, and I have seen uh, bed sores from people who, who've stayed in bed for too long and they're not being turned, and they are nasty. Like they, are, they, they smell bad. They are horrible. You don't want to get... So even lying in bed, staying put is risky. Apparently in the U.S., um, 500,000 people every year are admitted to ED for falling out of bed. I don't know. That seems a ridiculously large number. But staying in bed is not safe. Everything involves risk. So you can't think, oh, I'm just, I'm just going to play it safe. I'm going to live a risk-free life. No, by doing that, you're taking a risk. By doing that, you're, it's just we've got to choose what risk we take. There is a risk to getting married. There is a risk to staying single. There is a risk to buying a house. There is a risk to renting a house. There is a risk to being a Christian. There is a risk to not being a Christian. There is a risk in every decision you make. And so actually, we're just going to realize, 
I'm going to choose the risk that I take. And I would far rather take a risk on God than on anything else. <laughs> I, would ra- I would far rather take a risk on following what He has for me than not. And Abraham, he knew this. And so God literally tells him, he says, leave your country, leave your people, leave your, your father's household and go to this land I will show you. And Abraham, he's not a young man. He's 75. And God's saying, no, no, up, yeah, by the time I retire, probably five years into retirement. But uh, he's, no, no, yeah, I'll do it. 75, he uproots. And you've got to remember, he lives in a tent. So it's a little bit easier, maybe. But still, he's leaving his family. He's leaving everything he knows to follow God. And what I find really interesting, if you go back into Genesis 11, where the story is, um, let me read you this bit. In verse 31, Terah took his son, so his dad, took his son Abraham. His name was Abraham then. It got lengthened later. His grandson Lot, son of Haran, and his daughter-in-law Sarai, the wife of his son Abraham, and together they set out from Ur of the Chaldeans to go to Canaan. Terah lived 205 years and he died in Haran. Now here's the interesting thing. Canaan is the promised land. Terah, his father, was on his way to the promised land. And what did he do? He settled. He settled in a place that actually he shouldn't have. And I think that's indicative of us too often. God's calling us into a promised land. He's calling us into a place. But somewhere along the line, we've settled. Somewhere along the journey, we've thought, oh, this is okay. This is a pretty good spot. I'm comfortable here. And we've settled. I wonder where your settling place is at the moment. Where is God is telling you, He's calling you to obey Him. He's going, and you're just kind of going, oh, yeah, that's, that's cool, but that's, that's hard. There's a journey to get there. I can just stay here. It's a bit more comfortable. And so actually, Abraham's been called out of this settled place to go to the place his father should have gone to. Manderson can run generationally, even. There is a, there is a calling, possibly someone before you had that you need to step into. And, and the amazing thing with Abraham is that it came with a promise. I don't think I've got the scripture here, but I'll read it to you in, uh, in, in Genesis 12. It says, I will make, God speaking to Abraham, I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. When you obey by faith, there is a blessing. And we're robbing ourselves and others of that blessing when we just settle in the land of Haran or the place that is not where he's called us to go. So we're called out of certainty into uncertainty, but with that uncertainty, there is promise if we're prepared to walk by faith. So that's the first level. How many are like, oh, that will do. (laughs) I don't need another three levels of faith, living by faith, but... That's the first level that Abraham, he obeyed and he moved. Number two is that by faith, Abraham settled. We read in, it's not the kind of settling you think. It's not the settling in the place that he's not supposed to be. It's a settling 
into where he's called to be. And so this is in Hebrews 11 verse 9. By faith, he made his home in the promised land, like a stranger in a foreign country. He lived in tents, as did Isaac and Jacob, who were heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city with foundations, whose architect and builder is God. So he's settled, but he's not settled. I love this image because it it talks about the now but not yet of the kingdom of God. He's like, yeah, God, you've called me here, but I know there's somewhere greater. I know there's a kingdom in heaven for me that I'm eventually going to. But for now, you've called me to be here. For now, I know there's an ultimate destination, but for right now, I'm to put my roots down here. I'm to settle here. I'm called to be here. And and can I just say, if you're new or new-ish, he settled, this is a word for you. Put your roots down. Build connections. Build community. Build relationships. Become part of the family. That's actually a step of faith. That's what Abraham here is being commended for, is the fact that he put his roots down. He chose to invest in relationships. He chose to take, because how many of you know it takes faith, Right? It takes faith to take a risk on people and go, oh, you know what? I'm going to allow you into my life. I'm going to allow you to, to see my vulnerabilities. I'm going to be real with you. I'm going to allow you into my family life, into my home, into my world. Because the risk is that people reject you. People may hurt you. But I tell you what, the alternative is to hold people at arm's length all the time. It's to not settle. It's to, it's to not allow people in. I've seen this. I pastor in Dunedin. I would see people who would come in, and, and I remember one person, they were only with us for like six months. Um, and you could have two attitudes if you're coming to a church for six months. One attitude is that, well, I'm only here for six months, so I'm not going to get to know anyone too well. I'm not going to get involved. I'm not going to serve. I'm not going to, you know, because I'm going to be gone in six months. There's no point uh, in doing that. That's one, or the other attitude, I just remember this one girl, she just came and she was like, I'm only here for six months. I've got to get the most out of it that I can. And I'm going to throw myself into it. I'm going to get involved. I'm going to serve. I'm going to get to know people. I'm going to get to e-group. I'm going to connect in because I'm only here for six months. Some of you, you've been here a couple of years and you still haven't thrown yourself in because you're like, well, I don't know where I'm going to be in the next five years, 10 years. No, neither do I. You might be dead. <laughs> I'm not prophesying that, okay? Uh, but you don't, you don't know. So come on, let's throw ourselves and let's settle. Uh, by faith, Abraham settled. He put his roots down. He connected. So we, we, we've got we to, by faith, invest in other people's lives and allow them to invest into our lives. We, we need to connect. I think it's the spirit that God commends and uh, to exile, they're in Babylon. And God actually says this. This is what the Lord Almighty, the God of Israel, says to all those that are carried into exile from Jerusalem to Babylon. Build houses and settle down. Plant gardens and eat what they produce. Marry and have sons and daughters. Find wives for your sons and give your daughters in marriage so that they too, can we just arrange some marriages uh, afterwards in the foyer, so they too may have sons and daughters. I have four daughters. You've got a boy, come to me. Also seek the peace and prosperity of the city to which I have carried you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, because if it prospers, you too will prosper. So it's not just about getting planted in church, but actually in the community, in the neighborhood that we're in, 
You're called to be a blessing to Timaru. You're not called to just kind of dwell here and hang on the fringes and then move away sometime. No, you're called to invest, to seek the peace and the prosperity of the city. Because as it prospers, you will too. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but we all want to prosper. We all want to live well in this world. So by faith, Abraham settled in the good sense. By faith, he obeyed. By faith, he settled. And then the next thing, the next by faith, is by faith, Abraham believed. And he didn't just believe in God. He believed in a crazy promise. Hebrews 11, 11, By faith, Abraham, not able to conceive, was enabled to become a father because he considered him faithful who had made the promise. And so from this one man, and he as good as dead, he was pretty old, came descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and as countless as the sand on the seashore. Abraham took God at his word and a crazy promise. Like this is a crazy promise. When you're 100 and your wife is 90 and God comes to you and says, you're going to father many nations, look at the stars, this is how many descendants you're going to have. That's a crazy promise. It really is. And, and, and she, why don't we go, we'll go to Genesis 15. I'm going to read it. I don't think I've got all of it there for you, but I'll read the first bit. This is, this is a promise. He says, Do not be afraid, Abraham. I am your shield, your very great reward. But Abraham said, Sovereign Lord, what can you give me since I remain childless? And the one who will inherit my estate is Eliezer of Damascus. And Abraham said, You have given me no children. So a servant in my household is going to be my heir. Then the word of the Lord came to him. This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, look up at the sky and count the stars. If indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And then in verse 6, get this. Abraham believed the Lord and he credited it to him as righteousness. I love that idea because it blows my concept of righteousness out of the water, and probably yours too. Because we think righteousness, we think, oh, that's right living. That's doing the right things. It's going back to that law idea again and, and thinking, okay, if I do these things, if I live right way in God's eyes, then I'm living by faith. Then I'm living how a Christian should. I'm getting the brownie points with God, and I'm getting the ticks, and it's okay. God will be pleased with me. But actually, that's not a righteous life. Righteousness on God's account is to take a promise from God, be it ever so crazy, and believe it and trust Him. That was credited to Abraham as righteousness. That is righteous living, is believing and trusting God. Now, you might think, well, I don't have a crazy promise from God. God didn't come to me and tell me I was going to be the father of many nations or the mother of nations or mother of dragons or whatever. Well, that's okay. Just ask him. Ask him for a crazy dream. Or if you want a crazy dream, join me in mine. I want to see, I want to see a, a, a huge church in this city. I want to see hundreds of people being saved. I want to see this church changing 
the face of the city. But we need, we need to actually start to, to lean into God. And that's why I love the fact we're doing a fast. We're taking a, a, a risk on him. We're, we're leaning in. And it's, a, it's actually an interesting story. I'm not going to go into all of it for Abraham. But Abraham and Sarah, they get it wrong to start off with. Because they get this promise and then nothing happens for a while. And they're like, oh, we need to take it into our own hands. And so Sarah says, hey, look, I've got, you know, Hagar, my, my slave girl, sleep with her because and, and, I'm not having any luck here. So, and then we, we can have a family that way. And, and that's where Ishmael comes out. And if you know the history of, you know, the Arab nations in Israel, that began with Ishmael. And so that's one step of the huge uh, consequences. But I, I just want to encourage you, if you do have a dream from God, don't try and take it into your own hands. Don't try and force the issue. There's a difference between the word for and with. And we get this confused in our thinking because we think we're to live for God. No, no, no. We're to live with God. We don't do things for God. We do things with God. We don't do ministry for God. We do ministry with God. If we do it with Him, then it will flow from us. And it will flow from our relationship with Jesus. But if we just think, oh, I've got to do this for God, then that's when we start to do it ourselves and we start to make a mess of it. So we've got to get in that space where we're doing it with God. Abraham, he took that promise. And eventually, you know, they, they did get it right. They had Isaac, and that was the beginning of promise for the people of Israel. And, and indeed, you know, the descendants, that's where we come from. Ultimately, today, from, that, from holding on to that promise. Then we go to the last, by faith. So by faith, he's obeyed. By faith, he's settled. By faith, you've seen right here that, that, he's, uh, that he's, he's chosen to believe a crazy promise. And now we get to the highest level, the hardest level. By faith, Abraham sacrificed. By faith, Abraham sacrificed. So if we, go to, we read on in Hebrews 11. By faith, Abraham, when God tested him, offered Isaac as a sacrifice. He who had embraced the promises was about to sacrifice his one and only son, even though God had said to him, it is through Isaac that your offspring will be reckoned. Abraham reasoned that God could even raise the dead. And so in a manner of speaking, he did receive Isaac back from death. This is a crazy story. Abraham trusted God so much that he figured even if he killed Isaac, God could bring him back to life again. <laughs> and we get, and we, get, we get the most incredible, I think, Old Testament picture of Jesus' sacrifice of God giving his only son in this picture of Abraham giving up Isaac. And we have that because by faith, Abraham sacrificed or was prepared to sacrifice. He had the stop. So here's the question, I guess, for us. The question you're dreading me to ask is, well, okay, uh, what are we called to sacrifice? What am I called to sacrifice? None of us like the idea of sacrifice because it 
contains a sacrifice. And, and, and can I tell you that sacrifice itself is not the ideal in God's eyes. It's 1 Samuel 15, 22 actually tells us that to obey is better than sacrifice. So don't just sacrifice for the sake of sacrifice. But I think when we, when we combine our obedience to God with sacrifice, then that is an incredibly powerful place. That is a place that God can move in and through is when we are obediently sacrificing because He's called us to it. And I reckon this is like the highest level of living by faith. And Abraham does this here, and it's incredible. So what is God asking you? Three weeks, church. We're starting a fast. What is fasting about if not sacrifice? I tell you, I hate fasting. I'm with Mayor on that. I, I hate it physically, but I love it spiritually. I love what it does in me because it... You know, fasting doesn't, doesn't draw God nearer to you, but it draws you nearer to God. It gives you a hunger, not just... In, it also makes you realize how much you, you get pushed around by your own flesh, by your own stomach. Uh, and there's a dying to self that happens with it. And I just want to encourage you, as you look at this fast, don't go, oh, yeah, like I'll fast potato chips. I was talking to someone, actually, um, who uh, they'd fasted potato chips, and they're like, oh... I didn't really draw that closer to God. I was like, well, you know what? If you just fast potato chips, but you keep you know, eating lollies and drinking fizzy drink and having everything else, well, I'm not surprised because there's not much of a sacrifice. And I'm not here to tell you what you should sacrifice. That's between you and God. And I think you need to, you know, you need to, pr- need to pray. But can I encourage you? For it to be a sacrifice, it has to cost you. It has to be something that actually is, yeah, that's a, that's a bit hard. That's a challenge. And uh, there are different ways to fast. One day, full fast, if you've, if you've never done that before, you're setting yourself up to fail. Um, what, what I'm going to do and what I encourage you to do is a thing called the Daniel Fast. That's where we, we fresh fruit and veggies, um, kind of whole grains, so no meat, no dairy, no processed food. And uh, so that's an easy, that's a sustainable way of doing a fast, but it still costs you because uh, you don't get to eat the nice things, um, <laughs> well, not many of them. Uh, so that's a, that's a good way to fast, um, but there are other ways. I just encourage you, pray to God about that. Seek Him in there because there is power in sacrifice. Can I just invite uh, the band up? That'd be awesome. So, I don't know where you're at in this journey, but we're all called to be on a journey to live by faith. Perhaps you are in that first step and you've been called to obey. By faith, Abraham obeyed. There's something that God has put on your heart to do and maybe you've settled somewhere in your spirit and you've not gone there. Or you need to, by faith, take a step of obedience. Or maybe God's calling you by faith to sit in this church, in this community. You need, I need, you need to get into an e-group. You need to connect in that way. Or, or you need to, by faith, settle in your neighborhood. You need to get to know your neighbors. You need to connect with those around you. You need to, by faith, you need to settle in. You need to put your roots down. 
Or maybe by faith, actually, uh, you need to believe a crazy promise. Maybe there's something that, that God has, maybe years ago, He's placed on your heart and you've, you've put it to the side because it's just too hard. Or maybe you actually need to take a hold of a promise that, that God is wanting to give to you. That by faith, He's saying, no, come on, you need to believe for greater. Your things around with 75. Anybody 75 or older here? I think maybe. No, no, no one. So there you go. All of you are younger than Abraham was when he got that crazy promise. So you're not too old to get a crazy promise from God. It's not, it's not too late. Or maybe it's to obey, uh, to, to live by faith and, and take a, you know, a, a, some, give a sacrifice of something. Maybe it's, maybe it's in the fast or maybe it's financially. Maybe it's, I don't know, you need to sacrifice something of yourself to go deeper with God. Why don't we all stand to our fonts? Not to me, but to God. I want you maybe just close your eyes and in this moment, just ask God, like, God, where is it that you're calling me to live by faith? Where is it that I've settled or where is it that I'm just living by a little bit legalistically by the law, just doing these things and thinking that I'm living righteously when actually to live righteously is to take a step of faith. If, you, if that's you this morning, you're like, yeah, no, I need to take a step of faith. I need to settle in faith. I need to, to believe in faith. I need to, to sacrifice in faith. If that's you, just raise your hand in this moment. Just respond to God and say, yeah, God, I need to take a step by faith this morning. If you're, if you're standing next to someone who's raising your hand, I actually want you to pray for them. If you, so you everybody open their eyes. Keep your hands up. Keep your hands up. If you're standing next to someone, that person, gather around, gather around those people. We're all ministers here. It's not just the pastor who does the ministry. We're all called to minister to one another. So I want us to spend a couple of minutes just praying for one another. Maybe you can share what it is that God's just placed on your heart right now. Just share that with the person next to you. If there's no one standing directly next to you, you can just pray generally. But we're going to take a moment to pray for one another, to believe that by faith, God is going to unlock something in our midst. Can we do that, church? Come on, we're going to activate our own faith right now. Come on, let's start to pray for those around us. Come on.
Holy Spirit, we invite you into our lives to take these steps of faith you are calling us to. Give us the courage. Give us the trust in you. Give us the faith to step forward, to obey, to settle, to believe, to sacrifice, whatever it is. God, help us to take a step by faith this morning. We pray in Jesus' name. I just say if you want further prayer around that, I'd love to pray with you or one of our leadership team would love to pray with you after the service. So come on down the front. Just before we finish with a song, I just want to put this final word out. We do this every week at Equippers to offer you to step out by faith into salvation. There is no greater step of faith and there's no greater decision you will ever make then to choose to follow Jesus, to choose to place Him as your Lord and Savior. And maybe you've done that before in the past and you, you know you've kind of drifted away. Or maybe you've never done that, but you know there's something inside you. The Bible says that deep calls unto deep. There's a deep place in you calling to the depth of God. You're hungry for Him. Just with every eye closed and head bowed in this place. This is a sacred moment. God is calling your name. He knows you by name. He's your heavenly Father. He loves you with an undying love. And He wants relationship with you. Come, Holy Spirit. If, if you know that's you, just in this moment, raise your hand. I'll see it. You can put it down. 